Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Will, a.k.a. Mr. Darth Tuba. Will, how are you today on this fine evening? Bright suns, I am doing really well on this beautiful Wednesday evening. How's the weather out by you these days? Uh, it was rainy this it was rainy this morning. Um, but right now it's I'd say probably in the sixties and seventies. So uh it's been rather nice last couple of days, not too hot, not too cold, but just good good spring weather, so very good. Yeah, so it was a beautiful day out here today, although we look like we're getting cloudy now and we're supposed to have some rain tomorrow. So, But that's okay because it's very green and lush and we need rain yes. for that to happen. So yeah, we're okay. Definitely. definitely. Love, love this time of year with the green coming out and all the plants and everything. So before we get going with our topic, did you see the Vanity Fair article? I or did not read cover? it. I, I saw the cover. Right. I saw the cover. That was pretty cool. I always love the Anne Leibovitz. I love when she comes in to do. Uh, she's been doing the photos for the Vanity Fair magazine for all the movies. I mean, I mm-hmm. think she's done them. She said she's worked forty years with them. So I don't recall the ones for the original trilogy, but I know that she was doing the prequels and then the sequels. And it was so cool the way that they set up. For those who are not don't know what we're talking about, they put this really cool spread of characters on the front cover of of the upcoming. Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. and it included um, the Mandalorian. It included Boba Fett, or no, not Boba Fett. Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Obi Wan, and Andor, Cassian Andor, mm. which I just thought was you know because these are the upcoming, uh, all the upcoming series that we're going to be yeah. seeing, and uh, I just thought that that was um, really very cool. I'm, I'm really kind of. I, I have to say kudos to Lucasfilm and Anne Leibovitz for utilize, utilizing these this kind of summer of Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, um, but in streaming. You know, normally this is the kind of thing that we see happen a few weeks before a movie come out, movie yeah. release. But instead we're getting it with a series, which are si- series of series. So um, very, yeah. very cool. And and that kind of ties into our topic because, it, it, you know, it's just a, it's amazing to see how this you know we look for we look forward to this kind of thing like you know it's not quite the same as when it was a movie but when the when there's when a movie release would come out whether it was a sequel or a prequel or even the original there was all of this hype and excitement mm-hmm. everywhere you looked there was news reports there were special magazine covers there was food promotions everything it truly affected the culture around oh, yeah. us well, even, even, I mean, and I, we will get into this more in depth as we go on, but you know, it's goes even further than just, you know, one part of culture, whether you're a star Wars fans or not, there are certain things that start, people know about star Wars, whether you've seen it or not, you know, Darth Vader, mm-hmm. uh, people know who Darth Vader is, even, even Politics has got into it. I mean, what was it in the eighties? You had star, the Star Wars program. Yeah, the, the self defense confused the crap out of me when I was a kid because I'm like, wait, what? Star Wars is is it for real now? Is it not? I mean, because that's freaks me out. I'm like, wait a minute, is there going to be a Death Star? I didn't, you know. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just so ingrained into society, especially Western society. I think to, you know, to probably, probably, you know, the world too, but especially here in America, uh, American Canada, it's so ingrained in the culture. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the thing is that it's, it's not one thing, not one part of the culture. It's part Mm -hmm. of, it's kind of found its way into, you know, every aspect you know, mm-hmm. from, from, you know, like <laughs> there was a great, um, last celebration, Star Wars celebration, which we'll talk about, but the last Star Wars celebration that, um, that there was, uh, there's always a, an exhibit that's put on by, uh, Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. And I believe at the last one, the last one of the one, one of the ones that, that, that had happened, what they had done was I think it was an it was celebrating the Empire Strikes Back, mm. and I think it was Empire Strikes Back, and they were they took they basically made a mock up of a boy's bedroom. Well, I shouldn't say a boy's little boy's bedroom could be a girl's bedroom, but a child's bedroom, and all and it was basically all decked out with vintage Star Wars items: Star Wars bed sheets, Star Wars curtains, Star Wars towels, Star Wars you know cup and saucer toys clothing you know everything in the room if it wasn't nailed down was something with star wars and it just kind of shows you there's a there's a thing right there that how the the whole idea of it has kind of permeated into every aspect of life oh and it's, oh yeah. it's fascinating yeah definitely I, definitely and i don't know of too many things that have done it quite to the extent or if they did it, I mean, I think the closest next one would be Star Trek, but mm-hmm. Star Trek, I feel, um, definitely had, at least in its initial form, I think Star Trek, and I love Star Trek, by the way, people know that, I'm a big Trek, Trekker or Trekkie, um, I love, I watch all of the original trilogy, original, original series, Next Generation, a lot of them, but I feel that Star Trek did have a little bit of a smaller audience, a little more of a niche audience. Uh, and then when Star Wars came out, it was just a little bit more global. It was a little bit more something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, so. definitely. And I think you know, in the, that vein, I, I've said this before in other other episodes we've done. You know, when you look at the impact in the type of people that were impacted by Star Trek and Star Wars, you hear the stories all the time in Star Trek about I became an engineer because I saw Scotty. You know, saw Scotty working in there. I became a doctor because I saw bones. So you see this more geared towards and people being influenced in the scientific field. I think in star Wars, you're going to have a lot more people that said, I became, I got into special effects because I watched star Wars. I became a writer because I watched star Wars. I became an actor or I became a producer, you know, something in the movie industry or. Well, think about it this way. When, when do we, you know, why did we become as a society interested or in some ways interested in how movies were made? Think about before 1977, there was not a lot out there. There wasn't a, there wasn't like a making of Wizard of Oz. Yeah, no. No documentary. There wasn't a making of Gone with the Wind. There wasn't a making of, there was none of that. that none of that existed. People went to the movies. They enjoyed the escapist fantasy of the film they were seeing, and they went and they went home and they felt satisfied. 
But when Star Wars came out, there was this amazing interest in how did they do that? Yeah. How did they? How, how did this happen? I want to do that. I mean, it was probably one of the first times that I can recall in my life as a child sitting in a theater and looking at those credits that were rolling at the end. You know, and really, and now, of course, thank, thank you, John Williams, because that was part of the reason why I stayed there. And and at the time, I couldn't articulate that, but I was looking at all the people, like, oh my god, there's, you know, oh look, there's a caterer, <laughs> you know? yeah. like, oh look, look, look at all the people, look at what has to happen. Oh yeah, put yeah. This oh, yeah, movie together, and and that I think you know, spawn. You know, we had three. We had the um, the making of Star Wars. Which is have you, ever, have you ever seen those uh, documentaries that came out the years the movies came out? Oh, I watch probably them. have. I'll have to watch. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, the making of Star Wars was so phenomenal. It was um, about an hour long, and they were all things you'd see on TV. And I remember my local video rental place had it. You could rent it, so I would rent it, and then and then I found out you could buy the movies, certain movies. So I ended up purchasing it, and um, it was so cool. Because it was narrated by William Conrad, who was a an actor and voice actor from the seventies, and he had this really dark voice. He used to do a lot of the NFL like football stuff, and mm. um, you know, and, and he and he it was really cool to have his voice there. And then, but Theo and R two were also kind of there, and they built this little set, and they kind of were there too, talking about it. And you know, you got to see behind the scenes footage, and it was so cool. And there was alternate takes and um, amazing stuff. And then they came out with. When Empire Strikes Back came out, they did SPFX, The Empire Strikes Back, you know, hosted by Mark Hamill. And it wasn't just about Star Wars, but it was about the old movies of the 50s, the sci-fi movies, and all this other cool stuff that that they, that, you know, influenced filmmakers at that time. And then when Return of the Jedi came out, since it was a lot about creatures, they had a special called Classic Creatures Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Most of these things you can find on the Blu-ray, I think, this, the Blu-ray uh, box set of the six movies. Yeah. Um, but I think you can find some of the stuff even just on uh, oh, I'm sure on YouTube. But and then they came out a few years later in the late '80s with uh, from Star Wars to Jedi and the making of the saga, which was again narrated by Mark Hamill, and it was a little bit more broad, but mm-hmm. mostly Empire, mostly Return of the Jedi, but it was more yeah. broad with three. It was so such a cool thing, and you know then. It was then the floodgates were open when DVDs came out. Then they had special features and extra di- and little documentaries, yeah. and you know it's just now all movies are getting into that. So yeah, well, I think I mean all you have to look at when you're looking at the impact of Star Wars as a as a movie franchise. You know, it pretty much set the standard for the blockbuster. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I would think was, Jaws. I think Jaws kind Jaw, of Jaw, Jaws was the first. Yeah, I mean, but, I think. But Jaws was more like leaned a little bit more towards horror, mm-hmm. where so 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 it wasn't bringing in the youth crowd. So Star Wars really did bring in that whole family. Yeah, yeah, you know that that's true. Yes, yes. And I of course, mean, it was going to be a G rating, right? And then they, uh, what was it? Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why you see uh, Walrus Man's hand get caught off. They oh, wanted to, they wanted to, they didn't want a G rating. They wanted a PG rating. So. Mm-hmm. Poor Walrus Man had to. Poor Walrus Hunter Man. Baba had to sac- sacrifice his, his little arm. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it. You know, so so not only did it affect the culture area of filmmaking, you know, but and 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 
all of a sudden people were interested in all of these different things. It, it reinvigorated it. I mean, the movies were dying out. Well, then. especially sci-fi, it, it, it invigorated the sci-fi genre. Yes, yes, And yes, made yeah, it you know, not a viable, you know, I mean, in the questions, you know, will we have had some of the some of the movies that we had, both good and bad, that came after Star Wars? That I were, mean, we would not, I don't think we would have had a, a um, we would not have seen a, um, as much of an, impact with uh star trek if that's it what i was just gonna for, ask yeah if, if star wars had not been a success would roddenberry have tried to go forward with star trek the motion picture well i will tell you that it was going to be star trek phase two which yes. was going to be a whole another series and then star wars came out and then all of a sudden the, you know i don't know whether it was roddenberry or who was paramount but somebody flipped it and just said no let's get this yeah. out into just make a movie instead yeah and um and they did so, and then that kind of spawned off more movies, and then you know, so yeah, I think it that had definitely is something to be considered, you yeah. know. So and they also showed that sci-fi didn't necessarily because a lot of the sci-fi at the time, right before that, and even a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit after it, uh, tended to be could could be a little campy, you know. Mm-hmm. You you mm-hmm. had like Buck Rogers, you had. Um, even Battlestar Galactica back then. Battlestar was, Galactica uh, uh, was pretty hokey. <laughs> anyway, though. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of different. Yeah. So it definitely inspired the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. It inspired and influenced the um, the business of movie making and the money aspect of it. Um, so much yeah. so, you know, so much so that. Maybe, maybe that, then that, you know, and sometimes these impacts can sometimes not always be considered good impacts. Um, when, you know, well, there's and been- not, not just, you know, even movies today, we were, we were, we watched the, uh, the recent doc, new Doctor Strange movie. And as we're, as we're movies ending, we're watching through the credits because it's yeah, a Marvel movie. Wait for the end credits, right? You have to wait for the end credits. And we're going through, and I notice I'm looking at all the people, and all that comes to, Industrial Light Magic, all the different Skywalker sound. And I'm like, even today, Lucasfilm is is in every in any yeah. any special effect movie with special effects, which is pretty much every movie now. Even if it's not an action, even if it's not a a sci-fi or fantasy or action movie, it's going to have no. some sort of special effects and sound right. effects. I mean, you it's can put say, anything in there. Yeah, there's going to um, be Industrial Light Magic and Skywalker sound. You know, if it, you know, Star Wars was the movie that made ILM, and uh, there, and which in turn is the movie that made pretty much our childhood, mm-hmm. uh, and many many people's like you know just many pop culture, you know, has since gone there. So so it yeah. like dominoed into so many other things. Well, and there's now, so many things, even even kind of in the periphery that are part of like my childhood that I remember because of star Wars or connected to star Wars in some way, the THX, the, mm-hmm. yep. the, the um, zoom. even, even, even the, uh, watching the old star, the old star Wars movies. Uh, and now you can watch it now, now that Fox has the, uh, Oh, the Fox fanfare. That, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That was part of the star Wars experience was hearing that. Yeah. And then going into the a long time, you know, mm-hmm. it was just part it, of it. It was yeah, and even to the point that when the the the, the sale initially happened, 
And for a while, you had that taken away where you didn't have that fanfare. It's like, I don't know, just something was missing. It was just, there's mm. like, this is awesome, but there's something missing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then then I watched it with the fanfare again. I'm like, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's what's what missing. missing. That's what's missing. Now, and while the fanfare was even on, you know, a lot of the soundtracks, you know, they, they, for the first six anyway, the fanfare was was actually part of the soundtrack. It's like, so, so yeah, of course it was a part yeah. of that. So, just a, a just a quick mention because we talked about this entire thing last last week. You can't mention you know a pop it's, a, it's Star Wars influence on pop culture without talking about parodies. And you know for yeah, yeah. just a just a, pre- a preface for anybody who's just stumbling across our show, go to last week's uh, show. We talk all about Star Wars parodies. I mean everything yeah. from the 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 parody movies to shorts to. Um, old and new to Weird Al Yankovic's Yoda and the saga begins and tons and tons of stuff. So, you know, again, we, we were talking about, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and, and, um, you know, it's, it was, you know, it was, it's a great episode. So check it out. But, um, yeah, you were mentioning at the, at the start that, you know, there are probably people in the world who have never seen star Wars, um, who, who can recognize characters like, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, R two, three PO, Luke, Leia, Han. You know, especially the older ones because, um, and you know, and the other and the younger ones too. Like, and, and you know, that's something that's interesting now. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was uh, how time and aging uh, can affect the opinion, the generalized opinion. Um, look at all the people that are extremely excited for an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Oh yeah. And, and, and not just for Obi-Wan, but for Hayden Christensen returning. Now I remember a different, or I should say, you know, I remember a different thing being tossed about on the internet about the prequels. You probably remember that too. Oh yeah. And it was not pleasant. And at best, it was very, you know, critics were very critical of the prequels. And then at worst, it was downright, you know, sad and bullyish mm-hmm. and immature and, and, you know, just people that simply did not like what George Lucas did. And, you know, you raped my childhood, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's, a, there's a story, there's a, docu- a mockumentary called The People versus George Lucas. I have never watched it. I refuse to watch it. I refuse to give it a view or a any kind of um, um, money to, you know, to watch it. So, uh, because I think it's just stupid. And I think it's not, I think all it's just pe- pandering to, you know, people who like to hate. But, you know, and people who like to capitalize on hate, which is the most important, which is the thing I really don't like. You don't like a movie? That's fine. I don't. You know, your your opinion is your own. That's fine. But um, it's when you try to when you try to make money off of it. You know what I mean? And 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 that's what all, so many people are doing now with you know we things like this with podcasts and whatnot and um, websites. But you know, then you look and you see what happens. Fast forward twenty years from the ends of the prequels, and what do we see? Now we have all these people that were kids that are now adults working, contributing to society, adults. Who actually the prequels are their Star Wars? Oh yeah, it's their, it's their trilogy. Now I don't mean to say that like it's not something that we old guys can't like. You know, it's just that um, I enjoyed the prequels immensely. 
You know, I, I thought I had no really no negative issues to say. I mean, there were certain things about all the Star Wars movies that I might I can say, well, that doesn't res. I use the yeah. term it doesn't resonate with me that much, mm-hmm. but but not the movie as a whole. The, the, yeah. they, I've loved every Star Wars movie that's come out, and um, I I just find it interesting that the people who are now the adults, the young adults, the, maybe the demographic, are really excited, really hyped for this TV series that has going to have prequel characters. Yeah. And, you know, I, I credit a couple of things. I credit, well, I credit Lucasfilm for the creative process that they've done for the past 20 years with the Clone Wars, with Rebels, with things that have softened up mm-hmm. the public to the idea of the prequels and the prequel yeah. characters. Oh, yeah, I definitely think that. Think I that. think that was a brilliant move, and, and, and it was George Lucas, Dave Filoni, um, you know, whose favorite character is a prequel character, Plo Koon, of all people, is his favorite, <laughs> Plo Cool. So, uh, and you and you see that, and you see how that these these kids who grew up with it, and again, as a teacher, I remember teaching kids who, who went to see the movie, and oh, it was great, we loved it, you know, and then I'm hearing adults complaining about it. I'm like, well, you know. Maybe that's maybe there's something to that. There's been some great interviews with Ewan and um, Hayden, both saying like now saying that it it's nice to hear the love of the prequels now because mm-hmm. they, they really weren't getting that. That wasn't coming through into in '99, 2002, and 2005. So it's amazing to see that change, which makes me be very hopeful. That all the hate that we get, that there seems to be on some of the sequel trilogy yeah. will be yeah. will be out shouted by those that love it, meaning the kids of t- the younger generation mm-hmm. of today that's going to be older and will, will you know get their websites going and start doing that. So yeah, yeah, definitely. But a thing that another thing that happened with. Um, with the culture that you know, the, the Star Wars and the pop culture and the Star Wars and culture in general, is the idea of truly what it means to be a fan of Star oh, yeah. Wars and how many different ways you can express your love of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, here we are, you and I doing a podcast. Well, I mean, it, you know, going back to to the prequels, and because I I obviously wasn't really you know old enough to have been there during the original run i was just a a, a wee lad <laughs> at the time but i re, you know i definitely remember the, the prequels coming out and for some reason i don't remember this so much when the sequel trilogy came out it, it could have been you know different different technology you could buy your tickets online but the idea i like i love the idea it was of waiting in line with all of these people. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm waiting in line. You're waiting in line, and it's just a joyous atmosphere. Everybody, in fact, my story. I have a story for the first time for watching uh, Force Awakens, not Force Awakens, but Phantom Menace for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I just gotten off work, and the movie theater didn't do a midnight showing. It did like a like an early morning, like 7 a.m. showing. Oh, okay. And they had a radio station out there. And the tickets were sold out, but they still had tickets to give away. And uh, they asked them to do the, the contest where you had to do your best Yoda voice. 
and <laughs> I won, and I hey! got, I got the free ticket. But now, how old moment, were you then? How old were you in '99? Uh, let's see, I'm 44 now. So, so you were like 21. 21, yeah, it's 21. Yeah, that's why 21. But still, that one and all the other movies, you know, waiting in line and having all these people there that are from different backgrounds, different cultures, different different ethnicities, different religions, different political backgrounds, all of these people who would probably never be together other than that with what because but we have one thing in common. We all love Star mm. Wars. Right. And uh, just bringing the bringing all these different people together was just so cool and having yeah. conversations and not being intimidated by by wondering like, oh, it's like Oh, that person likes Star Wars. I think well, they they look like they might like Star Wars. You're like, no, you know that person next to you like Star right. Wars because they're waiting in line for four hours right. to go see Star Wars. Well, I can tell you, I was old enough to remember the uh, original releases of all three. Although I will say that my first release, I I only have like for Star Wars Episode Four, well then just called Star Wars. Um, I think the line forming. For both the original trilogy and to a lesser extent the prequel trilogy, was sometimes <clears throat> it was essentially in that in that sense because there may not have been as many theaters. They didn't have the multiplex idea yeah. coming into play, except in the big cities. That wasn't really happening in like more rural areas. So I had one theater, one film, one big, huge, old-fashioned theater. Sorry to say, it's so sad. It's like it's a Walgreens now. But at the time, it was the one theater in our town. And I remember having images. I was six years old, maybe five going on six. And I went in to – and I remember going to the theater. We parked in the thing, and there was a line going. It was just this big – imagine like one big, huge building that was like kind of, you know, bird's eye view. It was like like oblong in shape or whatever. And the people were just lined up all the way around the theater. So – we had to get in line. And I just remember as a little kid being like, it, it was, it was great and fun and exciting, but I was also stressed because I did not know. I said, you know, my dad had told me, he said, look, we're going to get in line. And if we can't get into this film, we're going to have to come back and see it another day. Cause it was like a seven o'clock and, a, and like a nine thirty. Well, we, uh, we ended up getting in to see it and it was fine. Um, and I remember the same thing for empire. Um, I remember the same situation. We were at a birthday party for my friends and it was about six or seven of us. And I went in and I remember having to get in line for that. And I, and again, it was, it was nerve wracking. I was lucky enough to get in just to, to get, you know, to get into that first grouping. Otherwise you just waited to the next film, you know, but we went during the day for my birth, for the birthday one. So that was pretty likely that we get in. And then return of the Jedi. By then we had had a multiplex and it wasn't much as, a need for getting online. Now I didn't wait online for the movie tickets for the prequels, but what I did wait online for, and I want to kind of segue into this. I waited online at Toys R Us because there was this little thing that started happening. Thank you to the prequels to episode one called midnight madness. And essentially what they decided to do was do a full release of all star Wars episode one related product on the same day Mm -hmm. and it was i forget it was like a maybe three or four weeks before the movie came out yeah and it was um just a solid i think it was three weeks and it was a 
like the midnight of May the 1st or something like that. We didn't, they weren't doing the May the 4th thing quite then yet. But I remember I went to the, my friend and I went to the place and it was like, uh, to the Toys R Us. It was about, there's a Toys R Us about 25 minutes or was 25 minutes from my home. And we got in line and there was like, you know, probably 30, 40 people ahead of me already. And I got there at like 11. So by the time he got to like, you know, 11.55, there were people going around the building. So there was several hundred people there. And uh, you got to give it up for Toys R Us. They made it like a big party. You know, they had the music playing. They had people wearing Star Wars masks. They had, uh, they had cake for everybody. They had, a, they had a big sheet cake. And they were giving out free posters and things of that nature. But if you recall, episode one, I mean, there was a lot of hype for The Force Awakens. I am not going to deny that. That was a hugely hyped movie. Mm-hmm. And and it was and it permeated everywhere in pop culture, but if you if you had to crown the king of hype, you give that crown to Episode One. Oh, Just yeah. the, the amount of of product everywhere you looked. First, there was Toys R Us. I mean, aisle after aisle after aisle of just that sea of red carded figures, you know. People walking in with, you know, I walked in with a shopping cart and it was like, and it was like, do, 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 you know, uh, yeah, $400 I spent on that. Day. I remember that. I never spent $400 in my life on anything, but um, it was a lot. And $400 went a long way back in 1999. That was a lot of figures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not to mention, like, um, you know, there were six inch figures. Or sorry, there was three inch figures. There were 12 inch figures. There were masks. There were, I mean, all sorts of stuff. And then, then there was the food premiums. Let's talk about, you know, PepsiCo had this $4 billion deal. Think about that for a minute. The amount of money that Lucasfilm, or no, maybe it wasn't $4 billion. might have been just a billion. Sorry, just $1 billion. Uh, but just PepsiCo, a billion. Yeah, just a, just a billion. Mm. PepsiCo signed uh, a deal with Lucasfilm to help, you know, market the, the movie. And it was, you know, PepsiCo owned, owned um, Taco Bell, mm-hmm. Pizza Hut. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So not your top three, not your top uh, fast food, but pretty top, pretty high. Yeah. And they released not not they didn't do something little. They released like twenty something toys from each restaurant, and they released cup toppers, and they released you know then the pizza boxes had imagery on them and the bags, and they had a scratch scratch off like. Games that you could win, like a a, a hum a hum a Hummer, a Star Wars themed Hummer. There were all these different promotions. You could go into and then, and then PepsiCo was there with the Pepsi cans, every, you know. And oh god, that one! I swear I contracted type two diabetes thanks to episode one, because you didn't just go in to go and buy like a six pack of soda. You had to buy the the case of twelve mm-hmm. to get one character that was on the can, and there was Pepsi. And there was Diet Pepsi, Pepsi One, and Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. and you had to buy and and each character, each box, or you know, each uh, of those different sodas had like I think there were twenty four. No, yeah, there were twenty four different characters that you could find. Yeah. But you had to buy a case of twelve. Is it twelve? Six? No, you had to buy a case of twenty four to for one. So you had to buy that twenty four times. Oh my God! It was like, and it would come out each week. I mean, we were stressed out beyond our beyond reason 
and oh, yet sure. we were having the best time. I'm sure. It was going everywhere. And I mean, you know, and, and the funny thing is that these days, I mean, I've kept some things. I kept one set of Pepsi cans. Um, I kept the pizza boxes. I did not keep the toys, the fast food toys. I ended up selling them off because, I mean, they were great, but they just took up so much room. You know, there was so much. Oh, my God. And then I think about it. I'm, I'm really waxing nostalgic here, how fun that was. Everywhere you look. Oh, yeah, pep, um, cereal boxes and Lay's potato chip bags. I mean, there was just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Remember for episode two, they, they had Go-Gurt. Remember, you know what Go-Gurt is, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's my, like in my the, daughter still has Go-Gurt. Well, a mark, somebody who worked for Go-Gurt had a brilliant idea. Hey, you know, you think these tubes of Go-Gurt, they kind of look like, the, like lightsabers. So of course you had to collect for episode two. They all had like the- twelve collect all twelve different types of lightsabers. You know there was Obi Wan's lightsaber. There was Mace Windu's lightsaber. There was Anakin's. There was Kit Fisto's. There was like all this stuff. Oh my yeah. god! Well, one I, thing I one thing um, going off on toys that really changed with Star Wars because I think it was the first time where this happened. Where before it seemed like the toys influenced the show or the movie like the toys would come first and then you know like you had the transformers transformers came first then the cartoon came after the transformers well you guys know but star wars was the first was one of the first times that i can remember where you had the movie first and then the toys came came afterwards well i'll tell you how that kind of played out um the only there was not a lot of success with toy tie-ins to movies up until that point but they did have it i mean the planet of the apes had it there were those Mego like eight seven eight inch figures that Mm -hmm. um existed they had they they want to talk about a a mega crossover they were the only they had both the marvel and the dc license so you had marvel characters like iron man thor and and um and um, captain america and spider-man playing along with batman and robin and superman it was yeah you know in our mind, that's why, I like a lot of us people my age, I'm like, that's the movie I want to see. <laughs> let's, yeah, you know, you, well, I, then, you, the whole then, Avengers thing is great, but let's get yeah. let's get Avengers versus DC. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. But so yeah, yeah, that and I also remember seeing the the picture of the old Star Trek toys. They would have the the yes. Spock helmet with the flashing light. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're like, where was that? <laughs> that was well, that was a that was an example, and and Star Wars did this too. But and I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, that was an example of. The Star Wars, or the 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 trying to find product that you already had, like a toy company mm-hmm. that had product existing product that they felt they could make it sort of work, and if they slap a Star Trek label on it, while it was kind of a placeholder, while they were making the more accurate toys. Yeah. But yeah, the mo the the the, the, the thing that happened is. You know, Lucas wanted the rights to the toys. He had he knew that if he was going to sell this picture, if he was going to be able to fund it, he needed to do marketing with all this stuff. So he did, and it's stand and you know lots of stuff like puzzles and T-shirts and pajamas and all that stuff was like not a problem. But nobody wanted to take on the toys. No, you know, Mattel said no. You know, Hasbro said no. Entered this little tiny like nobody company, famous for the Easy Bake Oven. Kenner in Cincinnati, and they said, "Oh, we'll do it, sure." And they're like, "Okay, cool." So, but but they were he they were late to the party, so Kenner was late getting to it. So they were not able to get the toys made in time. So that's where two very famous things happen. 
The first one was the what they called the empty box campaign, where at the Christmas of Dece- of seventy seven, there were no Star Wars toys. There were no figures ready. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they basically put out a campaign where you could buy this little card and it had the pictures of all 12 figure the first 12 figures would be released and it was like a little certificate and you paid for that and they would and then you send this little card in and they would mail you four figures i think it was like i think it was uh, chewy luke r2 and leia uh i think it was the four and they would send them to you you know in march so that's when finally the figures were able to be released so it was a very successful campaign they basically sold nothing, and they got millions and millions of dollars for it. But then the floodgates opened when, of course, Kenner started again making the toys, and it was crazy. The other big thing that happened was what I mentioned before. You know, there are things that you can get. There was another uh, TV TV show. Have you ever heard of the Six Million Dollar Man? Yes. Well, that was pretty popular with kids. It came out in the early seventies, and they did create some toys they did create some play sets and things like that well that was kenner they scrambled to utilize some of those things like a transistor radio headset that kind of looks like what we're wearing you know it just it would be like there's no wire but it just was like this and you could put a little antenna here and you could have they had a little uh they'd all had six million dollar man stuff on it well they slapped a Star Wars thing on it because it looked like something Luke would wear, you know, while he was flying the the X-wing. So they sold that. They took, they didn't have blasters, but they sold like a whole like a pretend ray gun and a belt, and they sold it as a Star Wars, you know, utility belt. And it was something else. And they recycled. There was a whole um, flying aces target game. It was like a like a video, not a video game, but this kind of target game that came, was like in a big unit like this and you 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 operated a little machine gun like it was world war one flying ace kind of thing they turned that machine gun into a blaster and now you were it was the x-wing target game and you know those things are very valuable today all of those toys and uh that yeah so they yes star wars did influence the and you know and i gotta give some props to kenner because both star wars and kenner did influence the how toys were made the three and three quarter inch line was not a very popular thing, meaning the f- figures that were this big. Most, you know, think about it. Before that, it was the eight inch, like Mego or GI Joe had the twelve inch. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, Bernie Loomis comes up and said, "Let's make them this big." He's the guy from Kenner, and he does that. And and in, in addition, they were using these Fisher Price, like little people, to um, make mockups, you know, which are about that size. And that's decided that somebody got the bright idea because. You make the figures that small, now you can make creatures and small vehicles and big vehicles like the Millennium Falcon. If you try to do a Millennium Falcon with a 12-inch figure, you're going to have a, yeah. It's going to be enough to double as your kitchen table. So um, so Kenner, or you know, via Star Wars, earns uh, a gold star for influencing how toys were created oh, yeah. and sold. I mean, think yeah. about all the action figures that came out after that. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I only remember playing, I mean, I had a 12-inch G.I. Joe, but it was an old, old one. Mm-hmm. But most of the G.I.s I, I had were the... Which was a which was a direct res, direct response to Kenner's Star Wars action figure size. In fact, the irony is that Kenner also made a 12-inch line of figures, about 12 or 13 of them, um, back when the Star Wars A New Hope came out, and they didn't sell well, ironically. Mm. 
Um, so they now and, that, and now of course they've but part of it was that they were very low point of art only five parts points of articulation they were very basic um now you know when when the when but right before the, the prequel came out they started creating nicer ones and now they've turned that license over to sideshow collectibles and they do these really beautiful ones which i've collected so there's some pretty cool stuff but um yeah so that's and and you know and that's just toys i mean let's talk about like every other and uh, toys and, and fast food premiums and stuff i mean let's talk about you know all the other areas of like just like everyday living, you know, from tablecloths to towels to clothing to underoos. Have you ever had underoos? <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's 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 it, it, it's 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 permeated every aspect of your life, which is why I love that that uh, display that Steve Sansby from Rancho Obi Wan put up at Celebration because it's just you know uh, a, 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 an amazing thing to think that everything, every aspect from the spoon that you eat your cereal to the cereal that you're eating is affected by that. So mm-hmm. speaking of Star Wars Celebration, okay, let's talk about the growth of the fan convention. Now, Star Wars didn't create a fan convention. No. You know, that, that, ha- that, that trophy has to go to Star Trek. Yeah. Okay, I've been to Star Trek conventions. Um, they're, you know, they were, mo- you know, the way they kind of worked was they were mostly Star Trek, but also other things too. And Star Wars was always kind of along, you know, along for the ride, just like any other, like Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers or anything else. But Star Wars then really took to a, uh, you know, Lucasfilm decided to say, let's make a, when, when episode one came in, let's make a celebration that's all things just Star Wars, all Star Wars guests, all Star Wars vendors, all, you know, everything just Star Wars. And I don't know, that, that, to me, they made it into a, a, a true event, and it was also to promote the new movie. So they got engaged, all this excitement. People could get interact with with some of those, not just the the actors and the and the and the puppeteers that were in in the movie itself and seen on screen, but also the, the people that worked on the movie. You know, and people were were going. I remember I was at a celebration. I ran into Richard Edlin. You know, and I'm like, and I knew who he was. I was like, oh my god, it's Richard Edlin. You know. And and here's a guy that worked on Star Wars, and I got him to sign a sign my book, you know, because it was, you know, to me he's a superstar, he's like a rock star. And you know, you run into these other people like that. So so yeah, the the fan convention mm-hmm. uh, really has evolved, I think, and 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 I, they owe that to how Star Wars does it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. And you know, I'm also looking at, you know, we kind of touched on it, you know, ahead of time. You know, even outside of, I don't know, just everything. It seems like so much stuff has been influenced by it. Not just, you know, what we see as far as the quote-unquote nerd culture. Well, even the nerd culture making the quote-unquote nerd culture popular and and cool. You know, Star Wars had a lot to do with that because it wasn't just one group of people that seemed to be fans of it, you know, like you, like you said, with, with Star Trek and some of the other ones, the fan, the fans seem to be, you know, very, very niche oriented. It's a certain type yes. of people where Star Wars is, even like I said, when I talked about going to watch, you know, see wait in line for the movies, it's got a much more broad mm-hmm. scope. And it started to make it to now that, you know, the Marvel movies are kind of the same way where, and, and Lord, Lord of the Rings, Lord, Lord of the, the Rings, yeah. yeah, 
yeah, it's not just these, you know, one type of, you know, your typical, you know, nerd with the horn rim glasses and the pocket protector and, you know, live, you know, live. Well, think about like, look at all the people. And, 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 and again, I, I, I don't, I can't emphasize this enough. All right. We're not talking about just Star Wars. We're not, I mean, we are talking about Star Wars, but we're not saying that Star Wars, you know, holds the uh, patent on all of this. Okay. I think that, that a lot can be said for a lot of the other uh, pop culture style franchises that have come out and are continuing to come out. But I'm, we're just saying that we think that Star Wars has, you know, def- definitely been an influence on it. Think about, um, let's talk about fandom. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit about podcasting. You know, not, I mean, we're one of hundreds of podcasts that people can listen to. And think about people that run YouTube channels all devoted to Star Wars. People that run, you know, um, like fan groups really, de- you know, dealing with one aspect. Like, have you ever been, have you ever seen an R2-D2 builder's room? Okay. No. Dude, an R2-D2. All right. Now, to give you an idea, that is an actually, there's, an, there's a group called the R2-D2 Builders Club. They are basically a group of people that are working to build their own life-size working R2-D2 or droid of some sort, mm-hmm. mainly, mostly mostly an astromech. And this, the talent that these people have, they're, you know, many of them are engineers full-time. Some of them work for NASA. So they, they not only create their own, you know, scratch builds of these droids. They all come up with plans on how to do it. They have, they run, they do, they share it out with everybody else in this community. I'm actually a member. Okay. Although not an active member, but about 12 years ago, I, or no, now I'm looking at what time we have, but 12, about 14 years ago, excuse me. I actually um, began the process of building an R2-D2. Now I would say at this point, it's 90% finished. But my job took over when I um, when I started running my marching band, and I've never been able to finish it. So it's in my garage, mostly finished. But I put a blanket over it, and it's now R two D two in low power mode. Ever since Master <laughs> Luke left, that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Take it to but I had a good, en- a very enjoyable time um, building it, and people. There were people that I I I would there was a for example one person would do what's called a run. And the hardest thing about making an R2 is the dome. Hmm. So there are a lot of different ways that you can do the dome. But what some people would do is make a run, like an aluminum run, and they would go to a, like an aluminum processing plant that would that could cut up a dome and, and do a thing. And they would say, how many people do you want to order? And then you put in an order, and let's say 20 people or 40 people would want them. And then they'd make these orders, and they'd, print, they'd, they'd cut up, these aluminum domes that look like R2 that are all cut up like R2 and then they would just mail them out to you. And then slowly, then you do things with feet, then you do things with legs, then you do things with the body and then you do things with the skin to make it look like all the compartments. And and then there are other people that are, that's just to make it look like a standstill droid. There are people that are doing like all the different gadgets that come up and down. They have some people putting holographic projectors, you know, making it automatically go from two legs to three legs. This is crazy, and they're so they're so good at what they're doing that two of them are had got hired by Kathleen Kennedy and have been the droid wranglers and builders for all of the sequel movies. Wow! Because even George Lucas went into a celebration one time and saw these things, and he's like looking around, like, "Where were you when I needed you?" <laughs> I mean, this is incredible, you know. Yeah. But I had to put a machine sh- a shop 
my machine shop in on this and they, they, they were learning how to do it, you know? So, and then of course there's the 501st, mm-hmm. right? The costuming club that is, and, and folks, uh, to be a member of the 501st, you have to, it's serious. You got to make a movie accurate costume and they scrutinize it. You have to send them pictures and they got to look at it and make sure that it is absolutely movie accurate. And uh, you get a TK number and you get to, um, you go to charitable events and you go in that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it, but they do all these charities. They can, they always come when called, but they never mm-hmm. charge any money. So if you ever want to have a party or something or, or more of a charitable event and you'd like to have some Star Wars characters there, you know, you can reach out to your local 501st. There's usually garrisons in like every part of the country. So, and then that that spawned other costuming cosplay groups like the Mando oh, yeah. Marks and the Rebel Legion. I mean, all of these fit different fan groups. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You know, just it, it it's amazing. And let's talk about you. You had a uh, let's talk about religion. You had a uh, uh, guest on a few uh, a few weeks ago, right? That's isn't somebody starting and wants wants to start a Jedi church? Jedi Temple. Yeah, yeah, Jedi, Jedi, Temple. Uh, Jedi Temple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has. I mean, there's even now a Jediism uh, in the UK. I believe it's as classified as an official religion. Yep. So crazy. Now, it, Francis Ford Coppola, who's very good friends with George Lucas, he used to, he told him after the first movie came out, and he's like, you know, this thing with the Force, man, you 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 got you got the potential here. You should just start your own religion. That's where the money is. <laughs> And George was like, I do not want to start a religion. Thank you very much. No, I want to make movies. So, well, even, even, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, even if you're not necessarily a Star Wars fan, you know, people will say, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, you know, with like just saying something as part of, you know, and how many times, you know, growing up, have you tried to do the force, you know, Pretend like you're walking. You know, you're walking out automatic There's double door doors that open up. I always, I always. No, I'm, yeah. I'm very cool with it. I always do like the, the. I do the, the Ewan McGregor, like, uh, you know, little. <laughs> no one, so no one's watching. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more stealthy about it. Uh, another one. How about um, how many times? I mean, almost every sporting event, every 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 football team, every baseball team, major league, minor league, they almost always have a Star Wars day mm-hmm. and a thing where you can go. And those are, that's fun stuff. I mean, you can go there and they give out jerseys. They give out, uh, you know, Star Wars bobbleheads with some of the players on that team, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really, really cool. So, um, but it's a very, uh, you, now there's something you don't expect. These are, these are sports fans. These are not people that, I mean, there used to be a time where people that, were into nerdy sci-fi movies and sports never mixed. Yeah. But I think that that's, I think we've evolved away from that now where there's a lot of, you know, cross pollination. So, but uh, yeah, so, and then of course, you know, um, you gotta, you gotta mention galaxy's edge as I always like to, uh, and, and how much, you know, a, a themed immersive themed area is now, you know, existing in this world which allows people to go in and just kind of basically live Star Wars, you know, not, I mean, you know, for part of your day and it's just amazing. So, yeah, so many cool aspects yeah. of life, but yeah, but well, uh, and, been, yeah. 
it's, this has been a uh, a fun little discussion we've had. And yeah. uh, um, I, we kind of wrap things up here. Okay. Um, Will, why don't you tell the fine people out there where they can get a hold of you if they need to? Well, when I'm not here with you, John Mark, I like to set myself up on YouTube and talk about the cultural impact of Star Wars on toy collecting and with my Darth Tuba Star Wars unboxing show, which releases episodes on Wednesdays and on Sundays. And we've been having some, I've, I've kind of done a lot of pre-recording because we had a huge amount of items starting to come in. Uh, these days, everything's pre-ordered when you, when you, when you're, when you're a collector and there was just a big shipment of stuff that have come in over the last few weeks. So you can look forward to a lot of episodes like that. And you can reach, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Darth Tuba. I have a unboxing page, Star, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook. And you can email me, DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. All right. As for us right here, of course, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, ask us any questions, comments, or we are, if you looked at my, um, if you saw my post on Twitter, we are looking for serious inquiries on uh, potential sponsorships. Uh, if you are interested in that, serious inquiries only. Um, you can email us at warthestars1 at gmail.com. That is also our Twitter handle. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash warthestars. Or you can hit the support button on our anchor page. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash war of the stars or you can buy our cool t-shirts at our spreadshirt uh shop just go to spreadshirt spreadshirt.com forward slash shop forward slash war dash of dash the dash stars still got to get a better dash. name <laughs> i do i do i do <laughs> um uh, you can also check us out on our facebook group that is where we stream live every wednesday uh of course we are a proud member of the red five network uh go uh check them out just search for red five network and uh that will about do it for right now so until next week remember this isn't just my star wars this isn't just your star wars this is our star wars until next week may the force be with you till the spire everyone <laughs>